1: Hi everyone, and welcome to the thirty-eighth episode of the Professional Book Nurse Podcast. This is your host Jill, and I'm here with Adam. Hi, Jill. You're back. I'm back. I don't have this to. Is like... This keeps happening. It's very, <laughs> it's very upsetting, and I feel like people are probably like, I'm so tired of hearing just Adam's voice. I'm sorry. I will try. Don't ever to leave. have any more <laughs> medical emergencies. Don't ever leave me again. Uh, I'm so glad you're back. I am very happy to be back. I can imagine. So, so tell us, so oh, tell listeners sure. about today's episode. Off to an amazing start. Uh, today's episode is an interview I did with Dwayne Swierzynski, who I was very proud that I got the name right on the first try. Seriously? He was actually, I live in a place called Polish Village in where uh, I'm from, and so he was shocked that I was able to say it but we had a great conversation afterwards about pierogi and all these things sure of course anyway his actual book has nothing to do with pierogies uh he wrote a, a story called revolver and it's basically three different timelines of the same family uh it's a kind of a murder sort of mystery it's two cops get killed in the line of duty and then it's three timelines worth of that family trying to figure out what happened and it kind of goes chapter by chapter where it's like in the 1960s, and then in the 1990s, and then in the 2000s, and then back to the 1960s. So you get into this flow when you're reading the book where it's like you're going to get a little cliffhanger, and then you're going to go to the next timeline, and you're going to get a little cliffhanger, and then you're going to go to the next timeline, and then you're going to pick up at the 1960s again. It's it's really, really actually fun. It's almost like a, like reading a song in verse, I guess you could say. Makes sense. It's really good. I think people will really enjoy it. Um, He's also a comic book writer, so we talked a lot about that and the difference between writing um, a story, like a full novel versus writing a comic book Mm -hmm. series. And He was really cool. I liked him a lot. He and I chatted for a long time after the actual podcast ended, so... I think awesome. people will like him a lot yeah sounds good and if anyone wants to find out more information about any of the books we talk about where can they go they can go to overdrive.com there's a little button that says explore and you can see a professional book nerds reading list that we update every single week with all of the titles that we are sharing I'm sure people have noticed by now but we're doing two episodes a week so mm-hmm. it's one episode is an interview, and then one episode is a whole bunch of book recommendations from our staff librarians and staff readers here. So, if you go to OverDrive.com, you can find all that awesome information. Uh, we also have a Pinterest board that is literally every book we've ever talked about <laughs> on all almost forty episodes yeah. of our podcast. So it's borderline overwhelming to look at, but it's. It, they're all there if you want to see everything we've ever mentioned. Awesome. And, of course, you can always find us on Twitter and Facebook and email us at feedback at overdrive.com. Yeah, we love seeing those. We love interacting with people. My favorite thing is seeing people tell us their thoughts about the podcast on social media and everywhere else and interact with it and tell us what they've been reading. And if they liked or didn't like books that we talked about, that's always fun Which to happens. see. yeah. happens. Yeah. yeah. We, I, well, and the, there's been a few podcasts where we've talked about books that we didn't, we didn't love. Like, so yeah. you know, we're not saying every book in the world is amazing just most of them right so there you go yeah anything else you you want to talk about since people haven't heard your voice in a little while (laughs) i don't think so okay i'm good all right well i couldn't be happier that you're back so thanks i guess we can let them listen to the actual podcast that sounds like a good idea all right guys well enjoy this episode of the professional book nerds podcast Hi everyone, well, this is Adam from Team Overdrive, and today I am joined by Dwayne Swierzynski, who is the author of the Edgar nominated and Anthony award winning Expiration Date, as well as the Seamus award winning Charlie Hardy series, which has also been nominated for the, the Anthony, the McCavity, the and the Barry Awards. His latest novel, Canary, is available to borrow now, and his next novel, Revolver, Revolver will be released this summer. Dwayne, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Oh, uh, thanks, Adam. Great, great to be here.
1: So I never like giving away spoilers on accident, especially for books that aren't yet available. So would you mind giving our readers just a quick introduction uh, to Revolver, the book that will be coming out a little bit later this summer?
2: Sure thing. It's a little complicated, and my pitch is probably awful, but here it goes. <laughs> it's, uh, it's actually a novel told in three, three time periods. Uh, the first time period is the mid-'60s, where two cops, one white, one black, are gunned down. Uh, Thirty years later, one of those, uh, the son of one of those cops, is himself a, a detective, and and sort of goes after the guy he thinks did it, who killed his parents, his his father and his partner, and then the present, 20 years after that, um, the granddaughter of the slain cop kind of um, opens up his cold case and realizes that the person his her father thought did it, perhaps didn't do it, and maybe dad did something wrong, you know, <laughs> in pursuing this guy. So it's kind of a, a multi generational, uh, you know, a police saga. And I told it not so much in order. I kind of skipped around. That the title Revolve refers to that the time period. Is, uh, revolve. You see the 60s, 90s, present, and kind of in a, in a rotating fashion. So... It was designed to drive myself crazy while writing it, and I hope, uh, <laughs> I hope it came out
1: okay. I was actually going to say, I really enjoyed the rhythm of the three separate timelines and how you kind of know as you're reading, you start to understand, you get to sort of like a cliffhanger on one on one of the timelines, and then you know, all right, we're going to get back to that in you know two chapters from now. And I was just sitting there, I was envisioning you as the writer kind of laying this out over multiple timelines. So just because I'm curious, did you write this story yeah. chapter by chapter? like that or did you kind of stick with one timeline and like write that all the way through i'm just kind of taking me through your process because i couldn't even oh, possibly sure. imagine it
2: i mean i really i try to talk myself out of this so many times like i'd be <laughs> going for a walk like why are you doing this this is insane but ultimately it was the, the story kind of begged to be told this way and i love the kind of the excitement of it going from one time period to another um it's actually not that different from most stories most novels and have at least you know three storylines going back and forth and the big difference here is that it's just different time periods uh so my process was i actually mapped it all out with index cards i had a plot you know in mind and i kind of want to make sure nothing clashed nothing was wrong you know and i <laughs> was obsessed with these these cards they're on my wall at home and i traveled for a mystery convention i actually packed them up and put them on my table at the hotel <laughs> <laughs> to make sure so i keep working I, they're, they're my bible you know uh following the storyline so I would never do it again, but I'm glad I did it,
1: I guess. <laughs> and I, I got to be honest, and maybe it was because it's, you know, it's a crime mystery, but I was sort of imagining kind of along the lines of what you said, like having all these, like, post-its or, you know, cards up on the wall with, like, red string kind of through them, almost like like a scatter scatterplot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, exactly. I, I think color code, I'm not kidding, I color codes, I have, like, birthdays, I mean, just to make sure that I knew... Who was, even as simple as who was what age and what year makes a big difference, you know? Um, and who did what when. Yeah, it was almost like, this is actually my first murder mystery, too. So, on top of all that, I had to sort of figure out, make sure I was a proper mystery, murder mystery. Um, and it was great fun. It was like a puzzle that I, you know, never, honestly, until the end, I wasn't quite sure I'd ever solve it. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe it'd be a failed book that I put aside. <laughs> and... I'm happily,
0: happily
1: didn't drop that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you finished it too. It's, it's really enjoyable to read, and I'm, I'm kind of picturing you like having, you know, having this giant wall of index cards. Are you ever worried like a family member's gonna come in or someone's gonna come in and be like, what is going on in this room? Right now? <laughs>
2: Exactly. Yeah. My wife, thankfully, has been through, you know, years of this, me plotting books, so she knows. This was a little extreme, but <laughs> I think she didn't trust me. I wasn't killing people, you know, in different time periods,
1: that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, so do you come from a family background that has uh, the police force in it, or has this just always been something that kind of interests you? It's funny.
2: I, I never thought I did until a couple of years ago, when I first actually had this idea. I learned that I have a set of, a, a, another set of uh another branch of the family, where... Uh, currently my cousin, apparently is a, he's a cop now in Cherry Hill, New Jersey his grandfather was actually killed in the line of duty um, in Philadelphia back in 1919 um, and that case really inspired kind of a lot of this this idea of a cold case, that's a really cold case that's like, you know, going back um, almost 100 years now And but a similar situation where my cousin kind of knows who did it and it was sort of, everyone kind of knew who did it but they couldn't prove it um, so it was kind of this thing left hanging you know and he left my, you know, my cousin's grandfather was left dead he left two young boys and they you know, were, grew up and had families and it's a whole legacy of, you know, of, of family but no one ever quite you know had that kind of bit of justice they probably were seeking mm-hmm. so it was an inspiration for this novel
1: yeah that's, um, I, that's a really interesting way of putting it do, do, have you talked to your cousin or anything have they had a chance to read this I'm just kind of curious what their thoughts might be
2: Oh, I uh no, not yet, not yet. Actually, I sent it to him. It's out, you know, uh, not too long from now. And I'm curious to see what he thinks. I never hate, I always hate pressuring people to read my books. Like, yeah. you know, if you want to, great. If not, it's a good beer coaster. It's fine, you know. But I'm <laughs> hoping he, you know, <laughs> hoping he likes it. Uh, we've talked a lot about his, you know, his grandfather in kind of that case. And just what it's like being a police officer. You know, I never had that job. Um, but I kind of want to get a sense, as best I could, about what the pressures are like mm-hmm. and what the... The mundane stuff is like with family at home and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, um, and I I'm just kind of interested. So you've written across you know multiple genres now, and you have you know different formats. Even you've done nonfiction and you know noir and, and comics, of course. And I know that a lot of I, authors they'll, they tend to stick to maybe one genre once they find what they're either good at or successful at. But for you, you know, you're, like I said, you kind of are a little bit all over the place. Is this just a way for you to? And to be able to kind of touch on various topics you're interested in, or is it just something that uh, you never wanted to be defined as one thing? I'm always just curious when I meet people who are able to write, not only write, but write successfully across so many different areas.
2: Right, that's a good question. I mean, for me, I think it's to avoid being bored. Like, I wouldn't want to be caught in one doing one thing, you know. Even if I was great at writing Cat Mysteries, I love cats, <laughs> they're great. But I mean, I wouldn't want to be the guy who writes Cat Mysteries forever, kind of trapped in that box. I like kind of doing a lot of different things, and um, perhaps it's career suicide, because, you know, the ones who people do best, I think, do have do one thing well, you know, and are known for it. They know that, you know, know, if you have a lead child novel, you'll know that it's it's great ass kicking. There's, you know, action. There's, you know, tough guy stuff. Um, But for me, I just, maybe it's just my short attention span. I kind of want to go hop book to book different fields, different kinds of genres and Um, It's funny, I always know when I'm interested in a book idea Because I can't shake it, like a cold And sometimes it's a mystery, sometimes it's a crime novel Sometimes it's like a horror story I can't shake (laughs) I have no control over it, I think
1: Do do you think you tend to bounce around a little bit? Like, I I can't imagine spending, you know, three years working on a crime novel And then immediately diving right back into a crime novel So is it kind of like a way to, you know, you do a crime novel Then you do, you know, a a comics run Or you do a, a, a mystery Is it sort of like bouncing Kind of around one after the other, sort of. I guess I'm just, I guess that fascinates yeah, no, me. I did.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I finished Revolver. I finished the first draft of it last February, and right away I had a sort of, I needed a palate cleanser. So I actually wrote this sort of very different, like, you know, part of the book where the first person, very clear cut, simple, you know, straightforward. <laughs> uh, I needed that, that kind of, again, that palate cleanser after that, those, you know, a year of index cards. So that's kind of what it is. Yeah.
1: And then for you, what's the writing process like compared, you know, say, doing a comic book run compared to, you know, Revolver or Canary, one, one of these titles? What would you say just kind of the differences for you when it comes to writing those two very different formats or kind of genres of writing?
2: Sure. I mean, I always picture novels as a marathon, you know, and then and, and comic books are kind of a sprint. You can pitch an idea and get it approved and write a script in a few days, honestly, and then it's off your desk and the artist has this, you know, fun with it. And you're still involved with it, of course. You know you're fine-tuning things late in the process, but it's kind of satisfying, can kind of, telling a complete story, a 22-page you know story, and having it be done, and go back to the novel, which you know for revolver was a, a year and a half, which is probably the longest I've ever spent on a novel. Um, but it's not like a year and a half solid. You know, I, I was doing other things, I was writing other other things, comics and such. So it, um, yeah, the novel in your head, it's sort of a you have the long goal in mind. You'll reach it someday. And the only way to reach that goal is to have like a thousand words a day, or whatever your word count is. You can sort of inch by inch, to get there.
1: And then I guess because I'm am curious, I haven't had a chance to speak to too many comic book writers. The way that that works, you know, obviously, for when you write a novel, you know you you write the novel, and if you have a, a publisher already, you, you pitch it to them. Or if you're you know see, you know trying to find an editor or something like that, you you pitch the novel repetitively. And you know, with right. most people in their first novel, it's you know they get turned down however many times it is, and it's all about persistence. But for comics, is it kind of the same way? Do you pitch a story to like the comic book publishers, or do they kind of seek you out? Now that you've been doing this for a little while, I guess it just fascinates me because there's so many different comic book runs out there.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, um, no one has this. Like, no one path into comics. And I noticed that. Um, for me, I had written a few novels, and that got the attention of an editor who saw them and thought, "Oh, we'll give them a shot." You know, that kind of thing. So, I think the important part thing is having a complete work in hand and be it a novel or your own comic. A lot of guys do their indie comics, you know, do a couple issues and get the attention of someone. Uh, The editors want to know, you can tell a complete story and you know how to speak the visual language, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's very different from novels. I I really had to learn kind of how to think more visually. I previously had been more in the Elmore Leonard school of writing, where you describe very little, you know, and, and have the reader fill in with your imagination, whereas comics, you only have to spell out for an artist what you want to see. Otherwise, they'll be, you know, kind of blah, bland. You want to think visually. So that was a big thing for me. Um, but I, I would say it's actually as hard, if not harder, to break into comics than it is novels um, or, you know, publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's, it's you know, competitive, but also... It's a lot of money. It costs a lot of money to sort of, you know, hire an artist and colorist and print it. Uh, whereas novel, you can write a novel and put up online a couple hours
1: mm-hmm. today. And so you can duck yeah. this. You can duck this one if you want because you have a novel coming out, and you, I know that you do a lot with comics. But do you have a preference between one or the other?
2: Oh, I, I, I always, I always said uh, novels are my love. I mean, I, I'll always write novels, even if they stop publishing them, and I, I'm doing them for my grandkids. You know, that's fine. Um, it's the place you can play God, you know? <laughs> you have total control. And I do love other things I do. I mean I've done some screenwriting, I've done some comic stuff, or I've done a lot of comic stuff, and it's it's great. I have a, a blast, but it's always they're always team team efforts. Mm-hmm. And I know that. Whereas a novel, for better or worse, it's just me and my you know, and my computer for however long it takes.
1: And so that's the way you said that is really I like that the kind of the team efforts sort of thing is the difference between like building your own world in a novel and then making sure you're kind of respecting the the confines of existing characters and existing worlds is that kind of the biggest difference between the two is being able to like you said play god whereas with comic books you need to make sure that you are respecting whether it's the powers of those you know you can't just give superman's uh, a power right. he's never had before is that is that kind of the challenge between the two is having that freedom in a novel versus a little bit of confinement for the comics
2: i think so. that's definitely one of the challenges i guess the bigger one for me though is i, I kind of see things on the spectrum and as far as how a reader uh processes these these stories like for a novel it's almost the reader is almost on their own it's, it's, they're, they have these mind movies there as you read the words mind movies start playing in their head with a comic it's a little like almost halfway between novels and movies where you have visuals you have action. You have all these things that help you. You're still like doing a lot of the work because you're imagining what happens between, between panels. You're seeing the action. You're seeing the fights and all that kind of fun stuff. Whereas movies are totally like passive in a way. I mean, you're, of course you're processing it. You're enjoying it, but it's all there for you, you know, in front of you. Mm-hmm. So as a writer, I, I try to say, okay, as a novel, novels are tougher. I say because you would have to help someone create that mind movie from scratch. Uh, whereas a movie, you know, a proper, you know, cinema movie. It's all there for you. You have hundreds of people working on this thing, so your, your dream is already there on the screen. You know? <laughs> um, and comics are halfway between the two, which is kind of an interesting interesting turf to play
1: with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, okay, if, so let's say that uh, someone gives you a skeleton key. If you know, DC and Marvel and every other comic book you know, company in the world comes to you and just says, you can have any character, any storyline you want, what would be kind of your dream comic book run to be able to write?
2: Oh jeez. Right now, I would give an, uh, a finger to write uh, the Walter White Breaking Bad comic. Oh foundation. my god, yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. Oh, uh, or me. no, actually, not even that. Actually, even beyond that, is how nerdy I am. The Mike Ermintrout comic oh. run I want to write. Forget Walter White. I want to do Mike Ermintrout. I, you know, oh, I would read that immediately.
1: Oh, I would read that immediately. Oh man, oh, what a! That would be such a good comic. I'm, I'm
2: obsessed, obsessed with Ermintrout. He's a silly cop. You know, brought out west. I just love the character to death. Uh, I'm so happy he's back in Better Call Saul. And uh, yeah, I just that's my dream. That and if Mike Ehrmantraut teamed up with Spider-Man, all right, that's right there. <laughs> that's my dream comic.
1: I could just see Mike Ehrmantraut yeah. being like, <laughs> just being like passively annoyed on every panel, just like a, exactly <laughs> a deep sigh before everything he says. Oh man. Oh that would be wonderful. Yeah. So getting back to revolver, what for you, what was the research process like? You you mentioned having some family members that were, you know, in the police force and obviously you have right. a, a sort of a background with what the story was, but um, you know, there's a lot of um, kind of nuance in here about police forces and, and the different you know, even the different weapons and things that they use. So for you, what was that research process like?
2: It's funny, I approached it as, I'm a former journalist before I was a novelist. I would worked for a magazine, and a newspaper, and I kind of applied my old rusty journalism skills to it, where I actually looked up sources. I kind of found retired cops who'd want to talk about the 60s in that era in Philadelphia. Um, and had a really some, some great folks uh, give me, uh, spend a lot of time with me and walk me through, again, the big stuff, but also the mundane stuff about being a police officer at that time. Um, I did a lot of reading. Uh, there's a great, great Um, website uh, from Temple University that kind of covers the civil rights movement in the mid-60s, which is essential for me. It was, you know, a huge motherload of information that had pictures, you know, first-hand accounts. That was invaluable, you know. Um, That saved me a lot of legwork, honestly. kind of absorbed all that stuff. And to me, the important thing in a novel is not to show your homework. Like, I don't want to preach to people and say, look at all the hard work I did. Here it is. Here's my research. You know, (laughs) you want to tell a story. So you don't want that to be uh, first and foremost. But I guess I just spent months doing that, and when I finally felt like I had a handle on it enough to, you know, tell the story, I just started writing. And I fixed things later, but that kind of absorption process and that kind of that internalizing the research was key before moving on.
1: And then for you, you mentioned word count earlier when, when it comes to novels. For this one, are you the type of person that kind of, when you're writing a novel especially, you sort of wake up in the morning and, you know, you you have your... Five hours where no matter what you're going to work on writing, or are you kind of like, you know, whenever the inspiration hits, and are you concerned with word count? I guess just when you're actually writing a novel, right. like, what's what is that like for you?
2: Oh, I, I'm a big word count believer. Like, to me, if I hit my word count, nothing's better in the day. You know, <laughs> I try to go for at least a thousand words, and if I, if I surpass that, it's like putting money in the bank for tomorrow, it's awesome, you know, and it's mm-hmm. great. If I, I'm shy of a thousand words, I feel horrible, I'm like, oh, I suck, you know, <laughs> this is not good. Um, and I just, I just love the idea that if I it's a goal to hit, and if I hit it by 10 a.m., I'm free the rest of the day, theoretically. You know, if mm-hmm. I hit it by 5 p.m., okay, that's not a bad day, but that's <laughs> not great either, you know. Um, I, yeah, I love the idea of word counts. It keeps me focused. That's sort of how I broke through um, writing my very first novel. I didn't – I really had a lot of pieces of novels until I sat down and said, okay, look – You'll never finish one until you actually finish one. So do a thousand words a day until you have a novel-shaped mass of something. <laughs> Even if it's horrible, at least you'll have a novel-shaped mass of something. And I did that, you know, and it actually wasn't as bad as I thought it'd be in the end. And I learned that that's just how you do it. They have a little bit a small goal every day and they add up pretty fast.
1: And this is something that I actually learned recently from one of the authors I spoke to. They they mentioned, and I think actually Ernest Hemingway had the idea. Well, at, I don't want to say originally, but you know, someone originally had it. Where, where um, the author I was talking to said that he actually would he would leave kind of a, a thought half finished when like he was kind of finishing up with the day, so he always had somewhere to start with. Um, I can't imagine trying to do that with three different timelines. But did you kind of make sure that? <laughs> You had your thought, you know, like a a full thought kind of completed, and then you would kind of you would start scratch, you know, start from scratch the next day. I guess you know, how would that work?
2: For oh you? yeah, I'm, that's a great trick, and I, I use it all the time. I kind of it's I, I call it like leaving enough gas in the tank for tomorrow. Like where you have a thought you could finish now, but it's better to leave it hanging for you, so it's easy to start tomorrow. You yeah. know, um, another trick is I go back and revise the page before if I like, tweak words here and there, and by the time I've done that, my head is back in the voice of the book, and I'm ready to go forward. Oh. That helps a
1: lot too. I, I am going to steal that idea. I like that a lot. <laughs> it's, it's great, yeah. <laughs>
2: all right,
1: so um, oh, go ahead.
2: No, no, not at all. That, that, was, that was just I me. Mean, it helped me a lot. As far as, and also, that's why the, the first half of my books are heavily edited and the last half not so great. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to edit you know, the pages before, and by the end, I'm just done with it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so, given that uh, you know, Overdrive is a library company, I always like to ask all the authors that I speak with, do you have, like, a first or a favorite memory from a library, either when it was growing up or recently with a family? I guess just basically something that, you know, you remember fondly when you think about a library.
2: Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I owe oh, my career, honestly, to the Free Library of Philadelphia. Um, the branch right near my house where I grew up is the Frankfurt branch. I would go there all the time. I got my first adult library card early. <laughs> I remember the first book I got. <laughs> For some reason, I chose Stephen King's It. <laughs> not a small read like not a light read i just thought, okay I remember actually reading the paper reviewed the book and it sounded fantastic like this great mashup with all these monsters and this sort of long saga and I thought that's what I want to read I went there I picked it out went home and devoured it and that really turned so much of my brain on like I go, wow you can do this in novels this is amazing and uh I was always the Frankfurt branch, that place is beloved to me, um, right under the uh, the Frankfurt elevated tracks, you know, <laughs> a few blocks from my house, so yeah, and, and later in life, too, I mean, I was always haunting the library, uh, the main branch downtown, I was there quite a bit, I did a lot of research for books over the years at the, the, the free library, and I actually just moved last week, my family, we moved out west, we're now in Burbank, California, and I'm looking forward to going to the main branch of the Burbank library, so I think you know, I like, you know, growing up in a, we're a library family, um, we encourage our kids to go to libraries, and they're the best thing ever.
1: I, I, I have to point something out, and there's no way you could have known this, but, so I think I've, we, we're on, like, episode, I don't know, 35 or 40 by the time this comes out, and I've talked to probably 20 authors, and literally right. three or four of them have mentioned growing up and being a child and reading It, and the, <gasps> really? The, the, yeah, the, wow. so I want to, so I guess I've... A question first off, do you remember how old you were when you read it?
2: I'm pretty sure I was 13. Okay. 85? That was 13, yeah.
1: All right, so this blows my mind because I'm, first off, I'm terrified of clowns. So. It is just haunting for me. <laughs> but second, literally, you're like the third author now who I've spoken to who, like, way earlier than they should have has read it. Has read it. So I think if I have kids, I'm just gonna sit them down like as soon as they're able to read and be like, listen, get through this book. It's gonna terrify and haunt you. But apparently, it's like a key to becoming an author is reading it far <laughs> too early than you That's should. Funny. Have. Yeah.
2: That's hilarious. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is. I don't, if it was like the size, of, like, it kind of dared me to read it. Um, <laughs> but it just it hooked me, yeah.
1: So other than the haunting story of Pennywise the Clown, do you remember <laughs> Do you remember some of the books that you read when you were growing up?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm, I knew from an early age I wanted to be a writer. And so I actually plucked off the shelf. Lawrence Block had a great How to Write a Novel book. Um, I think it's called Writing a Novel from Plot to Print. It was a very nuts and bolts, basic stuff. You know, how to like, you know, your plot, your characters, your setting, all that stuff that, you know, when you're 13 or 14, it's, it's huge news to you. You know, um, all of it, you know. <laughs> it was long before I actually had an English class where I got kind of, kind of those picked apart. So that was a big, big favorite of mine. Um, I guess, I, I mean, I just sort of, like I with my own novels today or online books, I drifted from interest to interest. I remember being like computers and science and whatever else I could. It was on the shelf, I was picking it up. You know, and devouring yeah. it. Um, I, I was kind of nervous. like to walk home from the library with like 12 books in his stack, oh, yeah. you, know? <laughs> you know? i was surprised it wasn't mug more often. But uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, so, how about today? Who are some of the authors, maybe some of the books that you like to read nowadays?
2: Oh, geez. Yeah, I read, you know, again, across the board um, still. I just, right now, I'm reading Tim Powers' uh, Last Call. I just, uh, I know it's part of a trilogy, or the first book of a trilogy,
0: and that kind of fascinated
2: me. Um, of course, love crime mystery noir. Um, I read a lot of the older. You know, my favorite older writers like James Cain. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of obsessed with Cain. Uh, I think he's sort of underrated. A lot people usually cite, you know, Hammett, Chandler, mcdonald as the holy trinity. They say <laughs> um, Donald's fine. I think Cain deserves that third slot there. You know, yeah. like, it, Chandler. um Chandler. I'm a big champion of David Goodis, who's a Philadelphia writer uh, who I really admire. He wrote these sort of really dark. Reading books about, you know, my hometown, and just the voice, I mean, for me, it's like the voice really captures you, you know, if voice captures you, I'm, I'm like, I'm a fan for life. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many books that are sort of just, you know, they're fine, they're generic, they're okay, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're yeah, professional, but I look for those kind of oddball voices, those voices that I don't hear very often, <laughs> that kind of really bring me into their world, mm-hmm. so that's what I gravitate
1: to. Right, so I like to, uh, around the end of our podcast, I like to ask all the authors uh, nine questions that I call the Nerd Nine for our professional book nerds. Um Wow. So the, thank you. Yeah, I'm very, very proud of that alliteration. Um, I like that. Uh, so these are just kind of rapid fire. So just the first answer that comes to your head. Um, they're very easy, very lighthearted. I promise nothing terrible. So, uh, dangerous, dangerous. I can tell. It's dangerous. <laughs> all right. So the first one is, what's the last book that you finished? Ooh.
2: Uh, oh, uh, before the fall by Noah Hawley, nice. which was excellent.
1: What is your favorite place to read? Ooh,
2: um, place to read. I mean, anywhere the surface I can sit on. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> favorite place. I'm all over place. I'm everywhere.
1: <laughs> what is your guilty pleasure? Like mine is, I'll spend hours watching Chopped on the Food Network.
2: Oh jeez. I gotta say, even when they're bad, I'm still a sucker for superhero movies. Even the horrible ones, I'll watch. <laughs> and cape in tights, I'm fine, Absolutely. and then I'll watch it.
1: <laughs> what is uh, one place you'd like to travel that you haven't yet been to?
2: Oh, you know, actually, Poland. mildly enough, I've never been there. I'd love us see that, see the
1: place. What is your favorite holiday? Uh, I want to see Halloween. That's that's. I usually tell people that's that's the right answer, even though it's a an open-ended question. <laughs> yeah. uh, what is your All favorite? What's your favorite movie?
2: Oh, that's easy. RoboCop. I've seen it like fifty times. <laughs>
1: nice. You kind of answered this one earlier, but cats or dogs?
2: Oh, I well, actually, I'm more of a dog person now. I love cats, but we have a dog, Sherlock, who's who's awesome. So I'm a nice. dog person now.
1: What is your favorite food?
2: Favorite food that's a tough one oddly be enough because I eat across the board <laughs> I guess you know what I'll say uh, Polish kielbasa
1: I was going to say I have you teed up for like pierogi or kielbasa right there that's what I was waiting for <laughs> thank you <laughs> um, and then if you could have dinner with one person alive or dead who would you pick
2: oh boy alive or dead um, I'd go with dead persons. because they're hard to access these days um, actually, actually it's not James Kane
1: that'd be fun to sit with him perfect I'll, stuff that was painless that wasn't too bad at all yeah was easy. <laughs> all right I got one last question for you before I let you go what do you hope people uh, take away when they read your stories um you know
2: I always hope people are entertained uh, I'll, that's the first the first job to me is like if someone puts one of my books down I've lost the battle you know I want to keep people turning pages and having fun um, which revolver honestly I kind of want to I, mean, I never want to preach at someone of course you know you want to preach to your books but I did want to show a different side of Philadelphia and kind of talk about race a bit, honestly, uh, things I've never quite done before in a book. Um, you know, I grew up in a very integrated area, you know, and Philly is a city with a lot of you know, racial strife over the years. Um, I tried to be honest about it, you know, I'm a, I'm a white Polish guy, you know, from, from Philly, uh, but I wanted to sort of address, you know, what was happening in the 60s and, you know, the shocking thing is actually this book seems more and more timely. You know, even yeah. from when I started writing it, things were happening, of course, but like just this is last week, this two weeks. Mm-hmm. I feel like this book's like, wow, this is uh, almost uh, sadly timely, you know, yeah. uh, that we're still having these kind of conversations. And if people get something out of that, in that level, that's, that's amazing, you know. But my, I guess, primary job, I think, is to entertain
1: people. Perfect. Dwayne, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, th- thanks so much, Adam. It was a blast readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace